Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 17. Welcome to February, Quinn. It's February 6th, 2017. How you doing today, Michael? How you doing? How February you doing? already. February. Good Super Bowl, Mike? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Let, Giants weren't in, so who cares, yeah, basically? I mean, yeah, that's for us. We're <laughs> yeah. pretty much out of it at that point. <laughs> good wings, though. Yeah. Had some good wings last night. Hot wings. I like a good hot wing. Yeah, I like hot wings when I watch my wrestling, that's, too. You know what? Speaking of hot, we've got some hot retro wrestling talk for you, folks. Oh, yes, gonna we do. It's going to be a great show. We're going to talk about the world of retro wrestling. You know, Quinn, we actually have 40 years of combined fandom. Over 40 years. Do we now? We have a lot of years. So, now that it's 2017, I'd asked you this before, shouldn't it really be 42 years? It's like... Because it's one and one. Yeah, one and one. We have over 42 years of combined fandom. How Let's about that? Let's just say that from now on. We can, we'll have to change the show notes from going forward. <laughs> That's fine. Folks, we're happy to be back with you this week, starting off the month with some great retro wrestling talk. Want to remind you, if you're not at the Place to Be Nation, because we're there... If you're not there, head on over there, right, Quinn? They got some good stuff in oh, that place. They're they're wonderful over there. They they're like the WrestleMania of pop culture. <laughs> you think so? They're they're the place to be. I mean, WrestleMania is the place to be usually. That's true. Generally, yeah. generally, yeah. And, and unless it's like you know WrestleMania nine or something, but that's a good WrestleMania. I, I dispute that. All right, look, we're yeah. not going to get into that today. But what I would like to tell you, folks, is get into our Twitter at OVP Podcast. Yeah, you, you can, should get into that. You can tweet at us. We will respond. We like to post fun stuff over there. I like the re- the conversation with the fans. Sure. And, you know, posting all the fun pictures. And maybe they post some commercials back to us. Or, yeah, stuff we've never seen. Yeah, stuff we, we, we'll share stuff that we have seen but mm-hmm. we never saw before. And then right. you can share that back at us. And it's a whole interactive kind of thing. It is. There's social like media. It's social really media. social. You know? We're in the social media room, actually. <laughs> social sphere room. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you can email us at any time at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, we're a bunch of places. Where are we these days? Uh, we're in everywhere, from <laughs> my understanding. It's, oh, yeah? We're on iTunes. Yes, we are. Yep. Um, and iTunes, by the way, we need reviews. We got to get that Colt Cabana off. The We're going to catch him one day, but all you got to do really is just go to iTunes. Go to iTunes. Either open up the app. Yep. Or open up the actual like application on your desktop PC if people still use that. <laughs> and um, you can either just give us the stars. Right. The snowflakes. The snowflakes. You you don't even have to write a review. You can just do that. Yeah. If you don't want to write. Yeah. Or you can write a review. Yeah. Right. Because we like those, too. We like to hear what you guys got to say. Absolutely. We'd appreciate that. But And we're also on SoundCloud, of course. SoundCloud, Google Play Music. Yep. Uh, Stitcher. Stitcher. And Blueberry. Blueberry, yep. And, and Player.fm, uh, of player. course. Player.fm, yeah. Every- Who cares? Yeah. Gorilla. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for Gorilla to say that about the Blueberry, but... He's finicky. Sometimes he <laughs> says it about Blueberry, sometimes it's about Player.fm. I don't think he cares about either. No, he doesn't. That's the thing. What's that um, that video site we're on? Oh, uh, we're on YouTube? Yeah. You hear of that? <laughs> it's good. Yeah, we got all sorts of little promo videos up there. That's it, right. It's a fun little uh, accompaniment. Yeah, right. 15, 20-minute clip. And, you know, I want to put it out there that there's going to be some Hall of Fame stuff 
stuff going on. Yes, there is. They're uh, going to be coming out soon. And, and they're, they're going to also be on the YouTube. Absolutely. They're going to be right on YouTube and also on our normal locations. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. More and, details to come. Or even tune in if you wish. Yeah, tune in, right. <laughs> Folks, we have some great topics for you. The reason I know that is because I'm doing the first one. Oh, are you? I am, Quinn. And this one is... Kind of a companion topic to some other things we've talked about before. What things? So <laughs> it goes hand in hand with our discussion about Vince Russo from a few weeks back. Oh, that was a good one. It was. It goes hand in hand with from way back when in season one about our WCW 97 talk. Okay. And it also goes hand in hand with the Attitude Era discussion we've had. Hmm. This is one thing I miss, folks. The Monday Night Wars. The Monday Night Wars. Ah, that's a good one. Very good one. What a good time to be a wrestling fan, I wasn't mean, it? I would say it was the best time to be a wrestling fan. In the 90s, definitely. In the last 20 years, yeah. You know what my favorite part about the Monday Night Wars was? Go ahead. Was the fact that when we started watching wrestling, we, mm-hmm. were, we started watching wrestling like right before this happened. That's true. And it felt like re- just wrestling just kept getting better. Yeah. You know what I mean? We like, started at the bottom. We started at the bottom. Now, I mean, we were after the boom, which was a high point. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were like, you know, like how there's a mountain and then there's a valley. We and were in the valley. there's another mountain. Yeah, we, we were, were in the valley. In, we were in the valley in between two mountains. Absolutely, we were. Very poetic, Quinn. Yeah. Very, very and, nice. And um, the Monday Night Wars was really why... That other mountain happened. Absolutely. Folks, a quick recap for you. The Monday Night Wars refers to Nitro being on TNT on Monday nights and, of course, Raw being on USA on Monday nights. Yes. And Raw started first, of course, Quinn, January of 93. Right. Raw was the the flagship Monday night wrestling show. And it was very uh, controversial and not well advised, you know, people thought, for WCW to to be competing with them in 95. I mean, Raw was pretty much, you know, people watched that as much as Monday Night Football, believe it or not. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, especially in in our sphere here, or, you know, I hate to use this term, in our universe here, but it's true. I mean, but it's true. Yeah. That was where you were if you wanted to watch new live wrestling. Right. That was, like, the place to watch wrestling. Like, that was the prime spot. Right. Like, there there was other shows. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Like, WCW Saturday Night. And the Weekend Cindy's and all yeah. that stuff. But, man, Nitro barges in in September of 95. And, of course, their debut episode, Lex Luger. Right. In the Mall of America. <laughs> With the trains and stuff. They even had, they had some wild stuff going on in that show, if you recall. I mean, Brian Pillman faced Jushin Thunder Liger. That's right. What? Yep. Ric Flair and Sting were the first main event. Yeah. And right off the bat, folks, Nitro pulled, and this is Eric Bischoff, obviously, and I think it was wise, pulled no punches, Quinn. No. This show was like, it was like getting hit by a punch, really. This was a punch. It was. This was a, this was a big, big, it felt like a pay-per-view almost, the first one at least. Yeah, it was a huge deal. Yeah. And, and and Bischoff hosted it, and he made no bones about the fact that he was competing head-to-head with Raw. He didn't. He was gunning for Raw. Yes. This right? this was, we're going to be better than that. Yeah, you know? he was giving away It was their, very exciting. It I, was. That's what I do remember, because Raw was like in a malaise at that point. Oh, yeah. Good word. Yeah. Very good word. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, Raw was just in the dumps at that point, and it wasn't live every week. Nitro was. Right. Bischoff capitalized on that and would give away the results. Yeah. At the start of at Nitro. At the start of the show. Now, I don't think that was in the first one, was it? Not the first one, but he did it very early on. Very early on, yeah. Don't bother. It's two or three weeks old. Shawn Michaels beat the big guy with a super kick he couldn't earn a green belt with in a local YMCA. 
So the wars, right? And yeah. for the first bit here, up until around uh, the NWO, it was very back and forth, if you recall, Quinn. Yes, it was. Trading wins. It was kind of just, you know, you would go one week to the next and you didn't know who was going to win, but, you know, it was even. It was very even. Yeah. June of 96 hits and Scott Hall has already appeared and then Kevin Nash comes on. Right. That's where you get to the point where Nitro wins for 80, I forget the number, I think it's 86 weeks off the top of my head. It's 80-something weeks. I think you're right, about 86 weeks. I think weeks. it's 86 weeks. Yeah. So you're talking June of 96 until April of 98. We'll get to 98, obviously, shortly. That might be the best year to be a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. Definitely. No lifetime. doubt about it. 98 was amazing. Yeah. But 96, I mean, WCW's product, Quinn, you and I watched it when, when I was watching WWF in 96 after WrestleMania. I'm not the Shawn Michaels fan that you are. <laughs> I predominantly watched WCW and would flip to Raw a lot of the time. I would do the same exact thing. I had like a special chair I watched in, believe it or not. I had a beanbag chair in my bedroom. Color was it? It was blue. Okay. And I would um, have that, that back button on the remote, my finger on it at all times. Right, yep. But I felt, you know what, what made Nitro that like, it, you felt like you had to be on it more? Mm -hmm. I think having that jump... That hour jump on Raw when they got there, that really set it like this. I just don't want to stop watching. Good point, Quinn. Yeah, for a while there, Nitro was uh, eight to ten. Raw was, was nine yeah. to ten. Raw yeah. wasn't two hours yet. Raw wasn't two hours. Not at the beginning. No, and, and they, that really hurt it. If you ask me, it did. It did. Nitro had expanded to two hours in May of '96. What a good move! Great move. And Raw tried to fight back in later '96. They actually moved to 8 p.m. to nine for a yeah. little while because I think they were right to do that. Because looking back, the first hour, like I said, is what hooked you on Nitro. You didn't want to leave the show in the middle of the show. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So there was a period of time, and I would call it mainly the latter half of '96 from the NWO until the end of the year. Now, there were some bright spots for the WWE. That's what I was going to say. So, so Nitro was dominant in the ratings, but aside from the ratings, Quinn, you and yeah. I have a fondness, and we both think it's underrated. Late 96, WWF starts to get good. It starts to get really good, and that coincides with the Russo getting the book. Exactly, and the ratings don't reflect that right away. Yeah. It takes a long time. But, I mean, the like we've talked about in the past, at nauseum, the push of Austin, the Pillman's got a gun. Bret Hart turning heel. Bret Hart turning Michael's heel. Michael's kind of turning yeah. heel, but the, just also whole, being Overall product getting edgier. The reemergence of Sid. Right. The yeah. nation of domination. Yeah, there was just a ton of stuff. A we lot could of go, stuff. We could go on and on and on. Yeah, and we I have. wouldn't say the undercard was there yet. No, no, no I wouldn't the, either. The main, the main event stuff was actually good, which was actually always I thought was a weak point for WCW. That's exactly what I was going to say, Quinn. WCW had a great undercard, cruiserweights, TV title, but their main event scene was Hogan lounging around. Basically, yeah. I, I always thought, like I have always said, their, their TV title... Even their U.S. title stuff wasn't bad yet. No, it wasn't. Um, it, was it, was, it was pretty decent undercard. And you, Solid. you had the Four Horsemen kind of... They were they still were the, there. To me, they were like the staple the stable of like the under the mid-card at that Sure, point. that's a fair point. Mongo yeah. McMichael became yeah. a big deal. You know, it was fun. I, it was hey, fun I like Mongo. I, know. I don't mind him. Yeah. I don't mind him, honestly. Not to go on a Mongo rant, but he. I think yeah. he's sorely underrated, actually. DDP also heated up around that time. DDP was fantastic. DDP right? was probably the main babyface... Like, guy. Like, in the mid-card. Oh, when in they, the mid-card. Yeah, yeah when they definitely, turned him. Yeah. Definitely. So, folks, as 97 rolls around, this is where it gets interesting, in my opinion. Quinn, I, I want to hear your take, too. 
I've already gone on way back about how I really don't like 97 WCW. I think some people do share that sentiment. I've, I've come to find 97? out. 97 WCW. I think WWF is the superior product on Monday nights that year. I really do. Well, here's the thing. It's tough because, yes, WWF was very good in 97. I like to look at it more as that they were kind of even as far as, like, creativity Fair. is concerned in 97 Fair. and, not like, 97 primarily if we're just talking about that. Yeah, right, right. I mean, just... It, the the NWO was at its peak. I don't think I don't think personally that the NWO was like too much stuff yet. It See, wasn't, I did, but okay. I feel like ninety eight's when it gets well, more out of hand. Ninety eight's ridiculous with that stuff. Yeah, I just feel like the stuff that WWF was doing in ninety seven, meaning the heart heel turn, the Canada thing, the Heart Foundation, Steve Austin turning face, Shawn Michaels DX, all this stuff was so fresh and so much more engaging than watching the nwo parade around at ringside again i get where you're coming from with that but the nwo was very hot 97 and i think it was i think when you look back at it you just say oh it's a million people or whatever at the time there was a coolness to that that these guys could gang up and kind of take control it was unprecedented okay fair enough stable could even the four horsemen at their peak never like never had a like a grip like like that WC Fine. on WCW like the NWO did. Okay, fair enough. In I'll the give story. You that. In the story. I'll give you that. Now, so folks, of course, as 97 rolled on, WCW is still winning the ratings war here. The reason, well, there's a couple of reasons why WWF turned it around. Aside from, in my opinion, having a very engaging product that, you know, it takes fans a while to notice that. The yeah. ratings don't always immediately reflect that. Bret Hart gets screwed. Bret screwed brett right in november 97 yes if nothing else that makes people interested in what's going on no that's that was a big turning point and also it leads to the emergence of the mr mcmahon heel character yes with vince not having brett anymore you got to get someone to fill that spot and austin was right there ready to roll oh yeah i mean austin was more than ready at that point i'd like to say just just on an aside Mm -hmm. um as far as engaging was concerned because he said the word engaging and yes I think we'd be remiss not to mention WCW had its engaging stuff, no matter how hokey you might think it was. I, I like the party atmosphere of yeah, Nitro. Okay, sure. I just wanted to throw that in there. The, the Nitro party stuff, the like Nitro the spring, girls, the Nitro girls, the spring break. <laughs> yeah. Episodes. I like that. Like, sure. I'm just saying like I sometimes I think sometimes people, you know, it's revisionist history. It's like, you know, they had the Mr. McMahon angle and blah, blah, blah. They but did, like though. Nitro. Nitro was kind of capturing the hearts of the younger people at the time and the mid the later the 20s demographic. Yeah, too. it didn't last, though. It didn't last. But I'm just saying I, I know it obviously doesn't compare to Bret Hart or whatever, but I'm saying or DX, just, in my opinion, just on an engagement level. I Fine. felt like WCW was right there with them and in 97. Ha- and in 97, they had the mainstream appeal. They had Dennis Rodman. They yes. Had Carl Malone. Yes, they did. That was a big deal. That's that's again, the young crowd. Yep. It, no matter what you think of Dennis Rodman and all this. <laughs> I like, liked them, actually. Yeah, I'm just saying as far as like, I I know we're not talking work right here because again, I know we said this also about the Attitude Era before. Who gave a shit about work rate in 97? The WWF fan didn't. Maybe the WCW the fan mainstream did. But the mainstream fan, fan didn't. The entertainment factor was high but with both promotions. It, it was, and it remained that way. And this is the year I really wanted to get to before we start wrapping up here, Quinn. 98. 
Yeah, 98 is probably the peak for both. WWF finally turns it around in the ratings war, right. but it's very close throughout the year. Yeah. They turn it around with the McMahon-Austin storyline in April after right. WrestleMania. Michaels is gone. You got the emergence of The Rock. This is the time that I fondly remember from the Monday Night Wars because you had to watch both. You did. I mean, the Goldberg stuff was happening that, side by side thing. to this. WWF heats up, right? They get McMahon. They get the Austin, right? WCW is like, Goldberg. Yeah. Let's get him to the All world title. All you have to say is Goldberg. Exactly. Like... I think a lot of people, I, spe- I especially think if people who are listening to this are just learn want to learn about wrestling, it's really hard to look at Goldberg now and understand, if yeah. you're a new fan, how freaking hot this thing was. Oh, it's like, huge. It was like your grandma knew who Goldberg was. It was, I'm, 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 my point is, is that anybody knew, <laughs> yeah, anybody knew who this guy was. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was so big. And the way it was done was so perfect. Absolutely. The, the idea of a guy coming kind of virtually out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. You never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. And he starts rocking everyone. He's destroying them. Yep. It was great. It was fantastic. And there was other things WCW had, too, just to kind of give them a bit mm-hmm. of a defense. Because I think the WWF, their WWE stuff is more known. It is. But, I mean, Jericho. Jericho in was 98, great in 98. I say... Far better than Jericho ever was, and even now, some people love what he's doing now. Yeah, I can see I'm, that. I'm saying this was miles ahead of even I, that stuff. I love that. It was unbelievable. The stuff with the whole listing the moves in the ring, and mm-hmm. then it goes to commercial break, and he's still in the ring listening yeah, to the moves, I and they can't that. get him. You know, him getting the the, the Dean Malenko the feud. whole Dean Malenko feud, and him getting the ornaments of every cruiserweight yep. guy. Like he he would collect things from each of the wrestlers, and he would brag about it. And his hair kept getting dumber. Yeah, his hair got really dumb. He had Lenny Lane as like his clone sometimes. Lenny Lane, yeah, Lenny Lane was his stupid. Yep, and like ah, uh, and and him introducing the cruiserweights was in '98. Yes, Slambury, yes. I think. Yep. Yes, look that up if you've never seen it before. And the Wolfpack, for for what it's worth, was very over. That was hot. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're right. That was a good Another one to thing bring up because yeah, the Wolfpack, I think, was a big deal because nobody knew what to expect, and they were excited to see what to expect from a Splinter and Yeah, it was it was kind of exciting at first. It like, was. oh, this is different. Kevin Nash yeah. let it, you know, had yeah. Sting. It, it was, was kind of the, it was kind of the cool guys of the, it was. the NWO. I loved him as a kid. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I loved the Wolfpack. I had the red and black NWO shirt. I was. I might be getting this wrong. Did X Pac leave already by the time the Wolfpack? Yeah, happened? he was over in DX. Okay, because yeah, for some reason I thought X Pac was part of the Wolfpack, but that's not true. No, he wasn't. Yeah, but he was uh, over in D- DX, which was a huge deal. And we've talked right. about this before. But and yeah, he was over there, and that's a good yeah. segue to DX and the Rock. Yeah, and, and the Rock and yeah. Road Dog and Road Dog and, yeah. and all these guys. Yeah. So I mean, I, you know, we don't have to rehash a lot of what we've said already about this period of time. The wars kind of they were over by '99, even though they were both still on. WWF had kicked their asses. By the time the finger poke, even yeah, and following that throughout '99, it was not a competition. I'd anymore. say what what um kind of stopped everything de- the 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 hotness of WCW dead in its tracks yep. was Goldberg losing. Goldberg losing was the wrong thing at the wrong time. Right. That they should have saved that for '99. Yeah, he could have lost, and no one's saying he should have never lost. No, but I mean, even people like who hate people who win all the time, right? Right will recognize that the gimmick of Goldberg is that he wins all the time. Yeah. You don't just have him lose. Like To Kevin Nash, too. To Kevin Nash. I can't. 
It doesn't matter. I don't who, like that. Joe, it doesn't matter who it was. And I cheered it at the time. Yeah, I was it happy doesn't about matter it. who it was. It just Fine. matters that it it wasn't. He shouldn't have lost to anyone, even if it was freaking Bret Hart or something. You think it still had some more miles on it? It had so many miles yeah, on it. Yeah, I agree with it, you. It was, it was just right in the middle. They could have built it up to Starcade 99. They could have milked it. Yeah. They really could have milked it. They didn't, folks, and obviously the rest there is history. The thing I really liked about the Monday Night Wars is it forced both promotions to put on as exciting of a show as possible. The stuff that Vince puts on Raw now, and I'm not Mr. Crap on new Raw all the time. I mean, I get there's some good stuff in current wrestling. I get it. That's fun. Yeah, there but they, is. they would not get away with a show like no. this back then. Well, first of all, if they had three hours back then which sometimes they did nitro did yeah nitro did nitro but did. even when nitro had three hours they couldn't afford to be just the junk yeah that raw puts on compared to that and i'm right. not again i'm trying not to crap on raw yeah but there's no feeling of like raw needs to do something right, right. now there's, there's no a, um sense of urgency that's what the word i was that was what i was looking for the yeah. sense of urgency there's no sense of urgency on where raw. you feel like even when nitro was sh- dog shit in three hours sure in like 99 you and could stuff tell like that. they still wanted there to always be movement oh yeah that stuff is happening you gotta be here you gotta be on tnt you gotta be here right fucking yep. now like <laughs> exactly sorry but it's true no that and quinn that's the perfect way to sum up the monday night wars you gotta be here right fucking now yeah you gotta be here to watch this shit because it it's awesome. <laughs> it was can't miss TV for yeah. a long period of time, and I miss it because I feel like if Vince had come, and I know Vince is like, oh, everything is our competition. No, it's not. No, it's that's not. How it's it works. not. It's yeah. really not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a direct threat. No. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if and, they want to watch Raw, they're gonna watch it. For there to be a like a simply a competitor of the same size, it, it's just it's not going to happen for a while unless another billionaire comes along one day and says, "I'm in the wrestling business." And Vince will say, "That's great. I'm in the entertainment business." Yep. Back after this. Coming out first, he's the master of trick track, the master of defunct. He is Super Calo. Look at those moves, ladies and gentlemen. He's got about a one in ten chance of winning, maybe. Coming up next, oh. this guy used to be a great bartender, but hasn't translated to his wrestling skills. He's the scourge of the illustrious Guerrero family. He is Chavo Guerrero Jr. Maybe a two out of ten chance of winning. Coming out next, this is a rags the richest story from selling chimichangas on the streets to WCW Ciclo Pay. Now we got Damien. He can't afford a mask. He's using paint. But sooner or later, he's going to buy a mask. I'm guaranteeing you that. The winner of the Lou Ferrigno Lookalike Contest. This guy's also from Mexico, El Dandy. Coming out next, he's the world welterweight featherweight pesa champion. He is El Grillo. Now this guy pulled up in a nice rusted out 68 El Camino Chevy. He's the ugliest man in our sport today. He's the illustrious Quasi Juice Guerrera. He's going to rock, rock till he drops. Rock, rock, never stop. Marty Gennady, ladies and gentlemen. He is a lost and lonely soul. His name is Kidman. And Kidman, I got some Calamine lotion for you after the show. This guy's the true shooter of WCW. Does he have a chance? Zero out of ten. No way. He's having courageous, ladies and gents. Oh, yeah. Straight from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I want my lover tape. Loverboy tape back, Lenny Lane. Of course, we got Psychosis. He's got a lot of hubcaps in his collection. This guy is Silver King. If he wins 12 more matches, he'll be upgraded to Golden King. This guy is Johnny Singer. Johnny, 
Johnny Swinger? You ever heard of this guy? I haven't. Zero out of ten chance of winning. No chance. Representing the Llanos 1 through 62, he is the Llano 4! Ladies and gentlemen, those are your contestants in tonight's Battle Royal. I'm going to the back for a coffee, because none of these guys will ever, ever beat me for my belt. And welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 17. Yeah. Quinn, you're going to tell me, or you're, you're going to ask me, I should say, what I think of something, and I'm very excited to find out what it's going to be this week. Well, this one is a special request. Oh, yeah? From uh, Jeff Walker on Twitter. Oh, okay, cool. What do you think mm-hmm. of Yoko Zuna? <laughs> oh, oh, we're not going to agree on this one. I don't think so. <laughs> I love Yoko Zuna. Do you? I do. I love Yoko. I think he's great. Now, he is a Hall of Famer. He is. So I can understand your love because apparently other people liked him enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. Is he above the Coco line? He is above the Coco line. That's Coco Beware, folks. Yeah. If Coco Beware is in, we're calling it the Coco line. Yeah, if, if it's like the Mendoza line baseball, of, yeah. of wrestling. Basically, <laughs> yeah. the Coco line. He's definitely above the Coco line. This guy was a world champion, Quinn. Yeah, I know. He was a world champion. What's your problem with Yoko? I love Yoko. My problem with him is this. It's... Okay. Let me go off... Let's start with the positives first. Okay. Nice. I like that he's the dominant champion. I do like that. Dominant heel champion. I like that he had a big caucus around him, like with Cornette and... And Fuji. Fuji the Stooge. (laughs) Um, I like that stuff. Um, the era he's part of, not so good. Not but, his fault. You know, not his fault not either. Not his fault. Um, and he had some memorable moments. He like, did. Um, oh, we'll get... WrestleMania 10. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, just to name a few we'll before we go through the going. timeline, but... Yep, sure. You know, WrestleMania 10 and Owen Hart tag team and all that. Love that. I think, um, he's, he was too short term to be considered as high, first of all, as like high ranking as he is. Okay. He didn't do much in that time period. <laughs> I know he was the champion, but I mean, he was just booked to be the champion, and then it was like, now what do you do with him? <laughs> he just won all the time. I have a problem with the fact that he's basically just a big fat guy. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> like, no, but I mean, like, that shouldn't be, like, the only reason he's a thing. Like, if he was 200 pounds, would he be a fucking, like, champion? But he was portrayed as a very good wrestler for but a big fat the, guy. Honestly, if he wasn't 650 pounds or whatever, he wouldn't... <laughs> He wouldn't. Would he be a champion? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. He'd be a head shrinker. I mean, he is related to the Rock, so maybe he would have been a champion. Yeah, that's but, true. And in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. See, anyone related to the Rock is in the Hall of Fame. But this was before that Rock stuff. Yes, that's true. Yeah. He actually debuted in September of '92. He was signed at the same time as the Head Shrinkers. Ah, oh, okay. Well, he's, that makes sense. He's a cousin of the gotta Head Shrinkers. Got to get those Samoans in there. That's right. Real name Rodney Anawai. He is one of the Samoans. Uh, he I heard was, he was a heavy smoker, too. He was, actually. Yeah. And he drank his Diet Coke with vodka okay. when he went out. Yeah. I dig that. <laughs> Do you? Well, I like Coke. Yeah, I, you're drinking I like one now. Smoke. <laughs> like smoke. That's, that's a good catchphrase for yeah. you, I like Coke. I like smoke. Yeah. So, there you go. So, they bring him on board, and he's managed by Mr. Fuji, which, very interesting, Quinn. Fuji uh, very briefly managed him while still wearing his traditional, you know, tuxedo and bowler hat. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but... Very weird, right? But then again, it is 92, It so. is 92. But Short- that was... 
that was like what a couple weeks yeah, or something probably. like yeah that doesn't shortly thereafter he's wearing uh fuji shaves his head and yeah. he's got the kimono and the that's traditional the kimono yeah. mi- mid-90s fuji yeah. basically mid- you know forever <laughs> yeah like no shoes on always with sandals <laughs> yeah basically yeah so yoko stampedes onto the wwf in 92 he kills virgil at survivor series that's the most i remember him of 92 to be honest with you it's just sitting on white tights virgil pretty much yeah speaking of white tights he has yoko has black and white tights on when he wins the 93 royal rumble yes and that's his big like moment where they're like okay we're going with this yeah and you could see that i mean we talked to scott about that remember he was like yeah everyone knew yoko was winning which i mean i really don't get that at that point i guess the thinking was they needed a heel champion or a heel challenger for wrestlemania so of course the champion was bret hart Right. Bret Hart drags a very good for Yoko match out of him at WrestleMania 9. It's okay. It's um, really not bad. It's not bad. It's You're watchable. Right. Um, I mean, it has the ceremonial salt as the weapon at the end, and yeah, then, and then Hogan comes out. My and, least <sighs> favorite ending to a WrestleMania from the 90s, and that does include Shawn Michaels beating Bret. <laughs> I know, because you don't like Shawn, but... I do like Shawn, but I but like you don't, Bret more. You like Bret, right? Yeah. My least favorite ending to any fucking WrestleMania in the 90s is Yokozuna beating Bret Hart A... Because that sucks, you know. Yeah. Then Hulk Hagen coming out yep. and pinning Yokozuna in a non-match. I'm just smiling over here because these are like the things with Yoko that I remember the most. But that- how about this? One of my favorite moments also involves Yoko and Hogan, and that would be King of the Ring. Yeah, with uh, Harvey Rupp, Whippleman dressed like a hobo or something, yes. taking a picture of him. And Yokozuna kills Hulk Hogan at King of the yeah. Ring 93, and it's awesome. Yeah. It really and is. No, I mean, it's a good moment. It's it's akin to The Undertaker defeating Hulk Hogan. At Survivor Series 91, It feels yeah. like sure, that. Absolutely. It feels like that, yeah. I would agree with you. And then we go on Yoko's, like, tour of destruction throughout the summer. We covered, you know, the body slam thing we've talked about. On the Intrepid. On the Intrepid. No one can body slam. Luger does it. Luger beats him by count out like an idiot. Yeah, okay. Then, again, here's with some of this Yoko stuff I don't like. What? It feels like anytime somebody would beat him, like, it would, or not beat him, or, you know what I mean, like, almost beat him or something. Like, I don't know why. It just feels bumbled, like, all the time. <laughs> like, the whole, I guess maybe just because the two primary examples of the Hogan thing. Right. And the Luger thing. What about when Undertaker could have beaten him at Royal Rumble? There's another Yoko strike against him. The Undertaker rises from the ashes or whatever. You know, I'm noticing Yoko doesn't really have a very clean pay-per-view record. There's always some kind of chicanery. No, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's another problem with him. He beats Lex Luger by uh, DQ at WrestleMania 10. Right. And then he falls off the top rope against Bret Hart, mm-hmm. loses the world title to Bret. Big moment, right? Big moment. I I, I always liked when Yoko would fall on his ass because <laughs> yeah, he could funny. sell the shit out of it. He yeah. was like Andre in that sense, where if Andre finally got knocked down, Andre would sell it. Right. And then, of course, he kind of gets shunted down the card. He teams with Crush at King of the Ring. Remember that? Yeah. He's not even at SummerSlam. I consider the, the year of 94 where he's like kind of like, you know, he's beaten... 
after WrestleMania, right? To, uh, until WrestleMania 11, he's yes. not really a thing. No, right? he like, loses to Undertaker, remember, in that casket match at yeah. uh, Survivor Series? Yeah, at that point he feels like he's Kamala or something. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. that's true. Yeah, And then he comes back as Owen Hart's mystery partner, and that was like phase two for Yoko's career. I it was agree. a good phase. This is the phase I like better than phase one by a long shot, because I like him in this role as like kind of this getting revenge on Brett thing. Yeah, and he's a heavy, no pun intended. Yeah, he's he, just the heavy. He's for a Owen. goon for you, Owen Hart, and he's got a beard. Yeah, he looks badass. <laughs> he looks kind of cool. And they uh, should have just admitted his name was Rodney at that point. <laughs> I know. Imagine. Yeah, yeah it would have been cool. <laughs> and Owen and Yoko kick the shit out of the smoking guns at WrestleMania 11. They hold the tag titles. They lose them to Sean and Diesel. Which okay, they lose them to Sean and Diesel. But is that the point when? Yoko doesn't show up or something. Owen doesn't, so Bulldog. Oh, Owen doesn't show up, right? Yeah, so I, I always confuse that. Basically, the rest of, of Yoko's career is rather unmemorable. He turns <sighs> face in 96. Yeah, and, and then... and then Fuji's got an American flag. Fuji with the American flag, and then I remember Yoko falling off the rope in like, his leg, and then they have to have a forklift to take him out of Vader there. Vader ki- breaks his leg kayfabe. Yeah. They take him away on a forklift because he's fat. <laughs> and then, like, like he, at this point, we're getting... It's getting embarrassing. And then he and the free for all, the pre-show to SummerSlam '96, he falls off the rope and Austin pins him. Right? What didn't a rope break or something? Yeah, that's what it is. It broke because he was like legit, like seven hundred pounds. His last appearance, Quinn. Oh my god, was Survivor Series? What was his final weight? Just on a just on a side note, I think his Survivor Series did weight. I think his Survivor Series. No, it was like eight oh four or something. No way, it was. Yeah, was he legit eight oh four at that point? I don't know. Probably not. It's wrestling, but he was probably at least seven fifty. I think when he died, he was, like, in the 700s. Oh, God. And, folks, what happened was they took him off TV after Survivor Series 96. I think they wanted him to get healthy, They wanted him to get healthy. And there was always this rumor. Do you remember this, Quinn, that he was going to join the Hart Foundation throughout 97? I never heard that before. That would have been cool as hell. I know. There was this persistent rumor that Yoko was joining the Hart Foundation. That would actually be neat. It would have been. Uh, he kind of, they just released him in 97 or 98. He was never seen again. He appeared Wasn't on, that late that they actually, yeah. he, he was under contract until as far as 98? Seven or eight, yeah, he was. Really? Yeah, and then um, he appeared on Heroes of Wrestling in 99, that horrible pay-per-view. He was on that? He was on that. Wow. He was fat as I fuck. lost complete track of him after, yeah. after he left the WWF. I don't blame you. Like, I don't know of anything he was ever in. No, it's okay. I mean, I understand that. He sadly died in, in 2000. Yeah. Uh, heart failure, obviously, or Who something. Would, Fluid buildup in his lungs. You know, I understand that he was unhealthy, but I kind of always figured he would eventually lose the weight. So it was kind of sad to hear that he had passed away and it and really was, was the really weight big, that yeah. did, it, it did him in. It certainly didn't help, that's for sure. But yeah. to, to go to some positive notes here, Quinn, I know there's one thing that you really like, and it involves Mr. Fuji... <laughs> and Gene Okerlund and a certain Coliseum video named Smack'em Whack'em. I would say it's my favorite Yokozuna moment. It is a segment called Cooking for the Single Man, and it involves Yokozuna. Um, he is getting sushi or, or stir what stir fry or it's like sushi hibachi stir grill. Fry. Yeah, hibachi. hibachi there you That's go. what it is. I understand he consumes fifty. <laughs> 15,000, yes, you heard me right, 15,000 calories a day. He's with Mean Gene and um, Mr. Fuji's there. Mr. Fuji? Mustard Fuji, (laughs) as I've said before on this show. Yeah. Um, 
mustard Fuji's there, and it's they're getting the hibachi, and there's like it's just a, such a funny segment. Just, all, there's a ton of little things. Like they ask the guy that's serving them, Lou, how long he's been doing this. He's yeah. like about six years. About six years. How long have you been doing this? About six years. Six years. And then, it's like, so fun. yeah, all this other stuff, like uh, Fuji putting Gene's hand, or Yoko's trying to put Gene's hand on the table that's <laughs> yeah, hot. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it's just a silly segment, and it's I... fun. I, that, that's the fond memories of Yoko, but yeah. I really... You don't I, like him, huh? I, I Not just, that you dislike him, but... It's not that... It's not a dislike. It's not like I hate him. It's just like I feel like he's a bit overrated. Like, I think people really? have, like, rose-colored glasses about Yoko Zuna. So I yeah. thought... I think from a character standpoint, it was a good idea. You know, it's interesting. He wasn't Japanese. No, he wasn't. <laughs> Samoan. They, they played it up. <laughs> yeah. Because Fuji... It's Fuji. You could get away with it. Fuji's they got there. Away with yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It didn't seem, even as a kid, it didn't seem so unreasonable that he was Japanese. Right. I didn't yeah. know when I was a kid. Yeah. You know. What yeah. I know. But I like the gimmick. I like this gimmick of this big sumo wrestler. But he does moves. He had a great belly to belly soup, belly to belly suplex that looked I awesome. Just, okay. Here was the main, my main thing with him. Yeah. Is that yes, you can't knock him down and blah blah blah. But I just feel like, um, I don't know. I. When I watch him wrestle, I can never understand why a guy that's fast wouldn't eventually be able to, like, outrun him and get him tired or something. Like, it just makes no sense to me. Well, that's what Brett did at WrestleMania 9. That was the yeah. whole story. Yeah, but to me, anybody who's in shape should be able to run circles around this guy. Lex Luger. Anybody. I should be able to beat him if I just don't get near him. Like, just, like, kind of kick him and stuff and run around and make him chase me. You heard it here first, folks. Quinn can beat Yokozuna. I'm not, yeah, you know, it's, I'm just saying, it's just, it's not, it just doesn't seem feasible that this guy who can barely walk, oh, come on. like, can beat anybody. I think you're conflating, like, 96 Yoko with, like, the good 93 Maybe Yoko. Maybe I am. He was a good worker in 93 but he for his even, size. Yeah, it just, he doesn't even look like he's very mobile, even at... At his finest hours, like he had some sweet looking moves though. That belly to belly, the, the leg drop kick, was good. The leg drop. He, I mean, it's the only leg drop that actually looks like you could die. Yeah, like, <laughs> because <laughs> just so much weight coming down. The splash in the corner. Yeah, the bonsai drop is a great finisher. Because what else do you want to see a big fat guy yeah, do to sit someone? Sit on somebody's sit chest. On him. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they used to sell it like um, you know it would really knock the wind out of you. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. it should have been sold. Like I, I mean. Obviously, when you're at that point in the match, you should be losing to a big fat guy that's sitting yeah. on your chest. But, <laughs> you know, as far as the beginning of the match, I could never understand why Yoko could ever win. He was just very powerful and hard to beat. And that was the gimmick they went with. Yeah, it was you can't knock him down, right? You can't knock him down. It's hard to hurt him. Right. You know, I don't know. I like Yokozuna. I get why you don't. Yeah. Good enough. Good enough. We agree to disagree? Agree to disagree. So, Jeff Walker, thank you for the request. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. We're always looking for stuff. So, yeah, uh, tweet if, at us, if, folks. if anybody else wants to tweet in, or you could even email us. Yeah, do we accept faxes? <laughs> uh, the retro, fax? we should. We'll have to get a fax machine next to you over there in the control center the of control our podcast. Center over here. Yeah. Folks, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, please. Yeah. We would love that. Hey, you could even put a request in there. You could. Why not, right? Why not? Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Time for our next segment, Quinn. Yeah. One of my favorites. Ah. I've been waiting on this one. Aha. Uh-huh. This is someone I really, really, really like, and I really wanted to talk about. Okay. It is one of my favorites, and you know this, Quinn. As soon as I say it, you're going to know this. Okay. 
One of my favorites is Gorilla Monsoon. Ah, oh, I love him too. I, I I totally understand why he's one of your favorites. I love Gorilla Monsoon. He's folks. fantastic. He is one of my favorite wrestling personalities ever. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, and I'm surprised to see you. I think he is one, like an an era defining personality. He's Absolutely. just I totally just think of his voice. Anytime I think of anything from the 80s and early 90s. Yep. Now, folks, a uh, quick background here. Obviously, you know, I'm talking about Gorilla Monsoon, the announcer, because I, I'm not up to snuff so much on the era that he wrestled in. I mean, yeah, I've seen I, stuff. I, I mean, if, but that's not what I'm talking about. If you know, I mean, we've said on this show, we're only, you know, about 30 years old. Yeah. Uh, there's no way we would be able to really comment about the Yokozuna of, or not Yokozuna, Gorilla Monsoon of the 70s. Yeah, which he might have been like the Yokozuna. Yeah, he might have been the Yokozuna of the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly. Yeah, Yokozuna on the brain now. Yeah. <laughs> but Gorilla, yeah, uh, we wouldn't really be able to be the best source of material but no. the, we would for the gorilla monsoon of the commentating times yeah yeah i think i can sum up my feelings for him like this anytime i hear his voice welcome me to a wrestling show whether it's a house show whether it's challenge whether it's prime time whether it's a pay-per-view there's instant comfort yes I would say that too. I just I feel at home when yeah. Gorilla's there. I feel like something's happening. I feel like I'm watching a wrestling show. Yes, when Gorilla's there, and he. I love how he always starts everything, and I think you give a tribute to it on this show. Hello, wrestling fans. Yeah, he used to say that in the '80s. That that kind of transitioned into "Hello, everyone." Hello, everyone. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. But yeah, and yes, you're right, Quinn. I never said that, but that is a tribute to Gorilla Monsoon. It's a little ode to Monsoon. He right? opens the show outside. Couldn't see it from our vantage point. Right, he, and he. Cl- Closes the show with "Will you stop?" Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised we haven't hit on yeah. Gorilla just yet because Gorilla is kind of like a lot of our influences yes. from Gorilla, and that that should say volumes about Gorilla Monsoon as a personality. Give me a break! Give me a break! Give me a break! Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, like all these all little one-liners, ca- little catchphrases. Will the, you stop? Will you stop? Exerbal obtubulence that I can never occipital protuberance. Thank you. Right on the external occipital protuberance yeah. that I can never pronounce. But the bread basket. Right in the bread basket. The bread basket. To, shot to the kisser. Right to the kisser. This is going to be a happening. Yep. That's going to be a happening. That's one of my going favorite to get lines. Your groceries. Everyone's going to get their groceries. Yeah. yeah. You know, gorilla monsoon. I get gorilla isms, as they call them. Gorilla isms. That's yeah. right. Now, folks, listen. Okay, because we have a varied audience, and some of the people that listen to our podcast are big, you know, NWA, AWA fans and stuff like that. I totally understand if you don't want to categorize Gorilla Monsoon as one of the greatest wrestling announcers ever. I get that, but I'm not talking a technical point of view here. If you like, if your preference is, I'm Gordon Sully, um, there's a suplex. A high vertical suplex. And like all that shit. And there's nothing wrong with that And there's nothing wrong with that. I get it. I'm personally not a fan. Remember Gordon's film room, that show? It's like one of the most boring things I've ever seen. Yeah, and I think it's a little out of our time (laughs) to understand why people like... I I can get why. I can see why. It seemed like it was more analytical approach to wrestling. But And and that's what Gordon Sully was. And I have no problem with him. I do respect him. Not my style. No, not my style either. I, I, I always thought that Gorilla was the perfect balance of having a knowledge for what was happening yes. in the ring. But at the same time, he could switch gears just like with no reason at all and just be like, just kind of inter- irreverent and being and, entertaining yep. and like talking with his color commentary. He always made, I feel, no matter how good or bad 
his color commentator was. He always made him look good. He tried. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even Lord Alfred, who Lord wasn't Alfred. always good. You yeah. Know. He just, he, it always seemed like it was, he wanted to be with that person. Like, yeah. You know, not like he would, he wouldn't like crap on him. And even, it, even brain, for some reason, it felt like it was, you know, he was okay with brain being there. Yeah. Like it, it was almost like he, he, even though him and brain have a relationship that's confrontational on the show. Yeah. On the show. It, it, there's still like this weird, like friendship. Oh, it was so and we good. always we've mentioned that before. And with him and Jesse, it was like yeah. a mutual respect. Mutual respect with him and, and Jesse. And then, like you said, with Lord Alfred, he was it's good like, with Lord Alfred. Just, they had friends. fun. Yeah, whatever. I've seen him do shows with Gino. I've seen him do shows with Nick Bockwinkle. I've seen, yeah, I, I, it's just I've seen about, all sorts of stuff. Just about anybody. I've even seen him do a show with Vince McMahon. Yep. So have I. Yeah. He, he was, folks. He was the voice of the WWF from about '83 until '93 when they brought before, Jim Ross in. Before they say that. <clears throat> Cole was the voice of oh, WWE. Yeah. JR was the voice of WWE then, and, and really WWE it was Gorilla. All that Gorilla was the real. T- he's yeah. the he's the Gordon Soley of the WWE. That's a good point. I mean, some people might be infuriated with that because I've heard the complaints about him. You know that he doesn't make sense half the time. You resemble that remark. He is just supposed to be. You know what he is? What he is the wrestling announcer version of Phil Rizzuto. What I'm doing play by play? No. Yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. People yeah. hate on Phil Rizzuto, but man is that guy entertaining to listen yeah, to yeah i he's just lovable um, yes if you watch a lot of wwe shows from the time you get to a point when when he's not there you notice it yes exactly that's how you know someone's presence is strong and it's felt right per- uh, perfect example quinn all these pay-per-views the the first wrestlemanias right gorillas at all of them right right SummerSlam, first one he's at right survivor series is at all of them, the, the first royal rumble SummerSlam 89, Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura. And it's Not to weird. say that that was bad. No, because Schiavone's good. Yeah. But, but to, it's weird. It, you feel like something's missing. Yeah. it for And I always find that on those shows where Gorilla's still active and he's not there, I always feel like, well, the show could have been better. Like, automatically. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because it's just like, well, Gorilla could have been there. It's There's this just attachment to him. Yes. And it's sentimental, I'm sure. But he was also just fun to listen to, in he my was, opinion. And it's also like he just it's like you said it's soothing too it's, it's soothing yeah. um i always i think we should touch on gorilla and bobby's relationship on primetime oh there's I think so much fun i think that's one of the the best things Love that gorilla ever did that. yeah um we had talked about primetime but the, the relationship between the two is fantastic yep there's so many good moments um i mean primetime was you know what was that on mondays mondays or tuesdays depending on mondays the year. or yeah. tuesdays mm-hmm. it basically was a show hosted by as we said before bobby and gorilla and they would they would be in a like a little i guess a control center i don't know yeah, what to guess, call it whatever you want to call it but um it was just kind of them interacting yeah, and it was wonderful. Yeah, it was unscripted. Fit, unscripted, and you know, just you—you you would probably throwing clips in this show. I'm, I'm impressed. The step fixed. I'm impressed, but I'm not happy. Why aren't you happy about? Why? Why? Why, why not? Happy? Why would you be happy? Look why at this. Why wouldn't I be? You see this? You brought your laundry. It's all I got left. I lost all my luggage. Philadelphia, Los Angeles. Nine Give stop. First class. Six stops. Change planes three times. Who does your travel arrangements? I'll have Plumber? talk. I'll have words with Miss Betty about this. Miss Betty. Miss Betty's responsible. You're lucky for you didn't come on the hound. I'm lucky I wasn't strapped to the wing. So many little like they just had an ongoing like jokes with each other yep. and like it was gorilla just sometimes Bobby would get gorilla to laugh, sometimes yep. and, and gorilla would get on uh, Bobby's nerves and sure. I, I don't know. It's just it's to me it defines gorilla. 
Absolutely. Prime time. And you know, some other things that define Gorilla, for as much flack as people want to give him as a wrestling announcer, and I get it, but you know what? I don't need every move called. No, I don't either. It's not radio. I'm not blind. I mean, honestly, we can see what's happening. Yeah. I I like the the moves he does call. You know what I mean? Side suplex, not not well executed. Yeah, I I like when he's critical, too. Yes. Never going to get him without hooking the leg, Jess. That was the other thing about Gorilla, by the way. Speaking of calling the moves, I liked his way of calling the moves because... He would be critical if somebody didn't do something correctly, like you said. Yeah. But he would also say there was a... We were just watching a match with, like, Brett or something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And this is many Brett Hart matches when he was heel. Yes. Before he turned, you know, face. Yep. But um, Brett would... Or Gorilla would... If he liked someone, but he was a heel... He would be critical of their moves if they were a heel, so that he just he kind of knew how to handle. Yes, it. exactly. Like if if there was a wrestler he liked but was a heel, he knew how to handle it in a professional manner where he wasn't breaking cave. Absolutely, he was awesome at that. And you know what else? He was people associate him with good reason for WrestleMania three in that Hogan Andre match. Iconic. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Right, the yeah. irresistible force meeting the immovable yeah, object. Yeah, and, and him just, um, he really put over the fact that there was 93,000 people there. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, I think there's even, I think because, probably because WrestleMania always has a zillion people there now, but <laughs> yeah. I still feel like they just don't put enough levity on the crowd that gorilla did i guess so I'm, i don't know yeah you might be right about yeah, that. yeah gorilla was just he, he would mention the fans a lot and how they're they're putting energy into the hulkster yeah and before we wrap this one up just i'm trying to think of more gorillaisms like pearl harbor job, mm. job. you know where he, he double crossed him yep you know um double noggin knocker double <laughs> noggin knocker yep <laughs> he just had a lot of these good little lines uh, this place has gone bananas he would always call the champion the greatest athlete in mm-hmm. all of sports yep and he would say things like take a look at this guy or he just had these little turns of phrase yeah like vince vince was not as good as gorilla no on commentary vin- uh, that's for sure i would always get mad that it was vince i i'm still to this day mad i don't understand why when gorilla is like at his, the best he is right that gorilla should be on the a show every week i had a problem with that vince probably wanted to be the voice of the a show you're talking about superstars right, right uh, yeah that's exactly yeah. what i'm talking about vince probably wanted to guide that because more people watch it i, I understand I'm, that because he always did championship wrestling and stuff that was always his show yeah i know it's just yeah, Gorilla's so much better. Well, you get him and Brain on Challenge. Right, but then it's it's not the B-show. It so. is the B-show. And he also did the pay-per-views. I mean, he got primetime every week. Yeah, I mean, it was it's mainly like Gorilla's Gorilla. presence wasn't there. He it, was mainly him. It just, it, it, he should have been there number eight, like number one. Number eight? Number one. <laughs> <laughs> number eight, I think, would no. be like Sean Mooney. No, he should have been their number one commentator, period, not Vince. Well, I mean, Vince didn't really do the pay-per-views, though true it, gorilla uh, and jesse gorilla and jesse getting together was like a big deal oh it was for very special i don't have to talk with mcmahon i'm here with you like vince and jesse were the team on superstars yeah. and gorilla and brain were on challenge so it was a nice little mixture of the superstars and the and then challenge come together for the pay-per-view yep and that is also one of the greatest announced teams of all time yeah it, no, i mean excellent. gorilla and jesse are awesome together. gorilla and jesse are just unbelievable just i, I like like we were saying, anybody Gorilla was with, he was 
perfect. He he elevated any team. It's Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo and Gorilla yeah, are funny yeah. because Polo's making fun of him. Yeah, but Gorilla handles it in stride. Yeah, so. and you can tell Gorilla lost his passion after Joey Morella died, after Bobby Heenan left, too. Yeah. I Gorilla mean, once, was, that, once Bobby left. and Yeah, it was yeah, just sad. Yeah. But you know what I love about that? Because you can tell Vince McMahon respected him for real. Oh, yeah. He kept him employed. Listen, was I don't know if this is real, but is, the, is it true that or do you know if this is true? If the he had lifetime employment deal from yeah. selling his stock because he, he was an owner of the company. He was a one sixth uh, owner. Yeah, and before when he sold, the sale to Vince Junior. Yeah, when Vince Senior owned it, he had one sixth, and he uh, Vince bought him out. Vince mm-hmm. Junior bought him out uh, in exchange for lifetime employment. But Vince McMahon, I think, respected him anyway. Yeah, uh, he was like a mentor to people. That's the thing, folks. He was an agent backstage too. He wasn't just an announcer. He He's was also a, a producer. If he I was a producer, he was an agent. He did interviews. Yeah, I think he helped we, talent. We'd be remiss not to mention his other contributions. He, like the gorilla position, is that's it's named yes. that because gorilla was actually like there after he stopped commentating. Yes, that's right. That's the area before you walk out to the ring, like yep. right backstage. Gorilla Monsoon would often be found there. Right. Last minute instructions or anything like right. that to the wrestlers. Exactly. And they still call that the gorilla position. All in all, just honestly, Gorilla Monsoon was like, he he was one of the cornerstones of the WWE. Yep, of the Hulkamania era and into the new generation. Yeah. As president, as, as an it, announcer. The guy was in every position. Wrestler, announcer, you know, producer, yeah, guy, agent, agent, all this stuff. You know, anything. He, he put the company over. He always sold the product, but he wasn't extremely over the top. He had his mo- uh, uh, Folks, I know he's not perfect, Yeah, by the way, okay? Yeah. Like, we know this. Right. I know he miscalled moves. I know he said things that weren't true. I know all this. It's Who is perfect? Here's the thing. Drunken Gordon Soley? Yeah, here's the thing with criticisms of Girl Monsoon. Yeah. The guy worked there for 50 years or something. <laughs> like, like, yeah, a, like long a long time. time. O- over 30, yes. Over 30 You're years. Correct. For him to not ever make a mistake, mm-hmm. are you serious? Like, I know, like... The Observer voted them worst wrestling announcer. That's like the six dumbest years in- fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. They're fucking idiots for that. Seriously, there was way worse announcers in that time than Gorilla Monsoon. That's yeah. bullshit. Have you heard of Sean Mooney? He yeah. was an announcer during that yeah. time. Even Lord Alford was Have worse. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. Why, I, why would people vote that? I, what did you want out of him that he didn't do? I don't get it. Like, do you want radio? Do you want to be able to turn your picture off and well, hear Gorilla every single move? Well, was also on WWF radio, so. <laughs> he was. I wish there was audio of that. No one's ever yeah. found audio I, of that. That would be great if that was on the broadcast oh of WrestleMania 9. Ten. Or ten. Or ten. Ten. He does ten on radio. With JR or something? Well, he does SummerSlam. What's that one with JR that they're talking about? Armed S- Services Radio or something? He does SummerSlam. Survivor Series and Royal Rumble with JR, and then it's like Chet Kopic for WrestleMania 10. <laughs> Can, if someone could ever uncover that. Oh, God, please. Richard and, Land, are you out there? Yeah, Richard Land, somebody. <laughs> Can you find that? If anybody could find that footage. Oh, man. Like, just just the raw audio. Just the audio. Because I would just play it. I'd turn on my network, hit mute, yep. and fucking play sync that. Sync it up yeah, right sync over. sync it up and <laughs> just do that. Imagine him calling Brett versus Owen oh, God, from WrestleMania 10. so good. Oh, there he is! The, <laughs> yeah. the Rocket Man! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Quinn and I are, have been known, amongst the people that know us, to, out of nowhere, launch into these high-pitched versions of Gorilla Monsoon impressions. Yep, and it always starts with, oh, there it is! Oh, there it is! Because yeah. for whatever reason, he had a higher voice at WrestleMania 6. Oh, there it is! 
Charles. Okay, this is how I look at his voice. Okay, just on an aside. Yeah, let's let's end it on a goofy note. Okay, you know, Gorilla would always do this thing where he would start like a sentence or something with like high up. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, there it is. Oh, the leg drop. Like you know, like he. That's right. Yeah, he would just like he would always do that. So it was just a little gorillaism that we've always picked up on, and it always makes me laugh. Yes, and whenever I think of him, I whenever I think of him getting excited about something, I always think of that high pitch to yeah. the low to the low yeah every time oh there he is yeah jess yeah <laughs> and then, look, jesse yeah you know, barbarian doesn't like flair stuff like that like yeah that, or, that or like voice. The, the, sorry we're <laughs> we're going in on it but i have to bring up one other gorilla thing what is it do you remember at wrestlemania 4 <laughs> when they like get bored in the middle and then like demolitions come in the ring and he's like i don't think those outfits are legal jess like like all like like in the low like yeah, he doesn't want like anyone to know about it like i don't think those outfits are legal jess. what are you talking about monsoon they've been wrestling with them yeah. for months not sure those outfits are legal either jess oh they've been wrestling with them for months gorilla come I, on i did i didn't say they haven't been wrestling with him i just said i don't believe they're legal and yeah oh, oh god this, I, we're really straight off here, but one other I'm, I'm gonna say one other and then something else is gonna come it's up fine but remember remember at wrestlemania 6 when gorilla goes spend a lot of money spend a lot of money yeah he just says it twice for no reason whatsoever spend a lot of money spend a lot of money and also um when Jesse mentions Axel Rose, <laughs> and he's like, I'm not familiar with Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses. Oh, that Axel. Yeah. yeah. Robert Goulet reminded me a little of Axel Rose. Axel Rose? Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with Axel Rose, Jeff. From Guns N' Roses. Oh, Guns N' Roses. Okay, that Axel. Yeah, just, Gorilla was just an awesome announcer. It was so you, much fun. You had to, like we said, you had to really watch a lot of it. And with the network, you can now. Yep. And you can, after doing that, I would say you would really understand why people love him so much. He made every event feel like it was going to be a happening. Yeah. And he made every event feel like history was made. Yes. And you yeah. know what? That's a good legacy for Gorilla Monsoon. We love you, Gorilla. History was made. We love you. Back after this. One of the greatest men I've ever known, Robert James Morella, passed away at age 62. He was celebrated and beloved worldwide as legendary superstar, Gorilla Monsoon. To his friends, he was known simply as Gino. Gino had a gorilla-sized passion for life, this business, and more importantly, the people in it. Behind the scenes, he was a cornerstone in the World Wrestling Federation. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife Maureen and his entire family. With great sadness and heavy hearts, we say goodbye to Gino, a very special man who lived a very special life. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 17. Quinn, it's unfortunately time for our last segment. Um, yes, it is. We're reviewing something. I'm having fun here. I am having fun here, too. This has been good. little tribute to the big guy, yeah, Gino Monsoon. Gino Monsoon himself. <laughs> Did it? By the way, just a quick side note. I think this is true for both of us. Yes. When, when Jesse used to call him Gino Monsoon and you first started watching, did you think he was talking about Gene Okerlund? Okay. 
WrestleMania 1, yeah. like, when I first saw it, was the most confusing <laughs> fucking shit ever. Okay. Because, yes, he keeps calling him Gino Monsoon, and isn't Mean Gene there yes. with them at some point? I didn't understand it either. I was so good. I thought he was talking to only Mean Gene for, like, the whole show. Yeah. Like, B- by the way, folks, we didn't mention this. Gino was, like, Girl Monsoon's backstage nickname. Yes. That's what everyone calls him. But, oddly, he's calling this in a professional yeah. fucking show it was bizarre. someone must have told them to stop because you really don't hear it much after like the 80s yeah and speaking of a professional fucking show we got a review <laughs> oh yeah that's right yeah what's on the docket folks it's all american wrestling that's wwf all american wrestling july 6th 1986 quinn you were a wee two months old around this point yeah i watched this <laughs> I, I, was, I remember all of it uh, i saw it live now this show folks all, all american um was wwf's first cable show actually quinn wow cable what's that <laughs> it was on the usa network back when it was really shitty oh yeah the early cable is fun oh, that's a fun time right usa was dump yeah in the 80s I and mean, 90s it was no mtv that's no. for sure <laughs> you know quinn's cousin is actually martha quinn this is true the uh, original if, mtv vj i've never met her but uh if you're listening martha hello that's quinn's what second cousin or something second like that? cousin my dad's cousin yeah. i'm really not making that up that's, that's really that's true very real yeah martha so, quinn I'm related to all this pop culture in some weird... <laughs> this Full House star herself, yeah. Martha Quinn. Yeah, in some weird way. <laughs> Folks, uh, All American Wrestling was WWF's first cable show. They actually got the time slot in 1983. I believe they bought it from Southwest Wrestling. That's weird. What time was this on? Unless it changed later, I think it was Sundays around noon, but I don't know. I don't remember okay. when the 80s version it's was not on. not a bad time slot. No, not a bad time. I mean, well... Kind of is, but... It started off by having different promotions, believe it or not, featured on it. Yeah, in 83, 84, but then it became exclusively WWF. Like, Vince would show other promotions, because he was part of the NWA still, remember? Really? In 83, he was still part of the NWA. Oh, I did not know that. I would like to find some of those episodes. I think the first one's on uh, Richard Land, by the way. Is this where we got this from? I don't know. Was it? I think it was. Richard Land gave us full permission to shout out his YouTube channel. Okay, yeah. So we are doing it. Okay, it's finally, we're we're taking the the veil off. Yes, he told us to do it on the Twitter. He reached out to us. He found our podcast, and we're very thankful for that and surprised. Richard, you've really helped us out here. Yeah, you're awesome. So, folks, if you want tons of old wrestling stuff, go to YouTube, type in Richard Land, L-A-N-D. Yeah. That's this channel where we pull some of this stuff. Not all some, of it. Not all of it, yeah. He is awesome. This guy uploads stuff almost, I feel like, on a daily basis. Every couple hours at this point. And it's stuff you absolutely will not find on the network. Yeah, and you need to watch some of it because it's good stuff. It's so good. It's it's the cable shows. It's prime times. It's yeah. Cindy's. It's house shows. It's all it's a random grab bag, really. It's awesome. So we grabbed All-American from July 6th, 86. This was not an A show. It was not a B show. Maybe a C or D show. Was it that low? Huh? It was not A or B. That's for sure. That's true. We get a cheesy patriotic intro. I thought this looked like it dated the show. The intro sucked. Like, it looked like ass. Like, (laughs) it made it look like it was from the 70s when it's from the 80s and not the, like, early 80s. (laughs) It's mid-80s here. We're talking, we're in, like, the, the, like, boom period right now. Yeah, post-WrestleMania 2. It it looks like dog shit. (laughs) Hogan with the shitty belt there's a clip of, right? Yeah, that fucking belt. The one that he won from the Yeah, the one we talked about, the the green one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Fuck that. So we, the first thing, this is was very confusing. 
It almost feels like as soon as the intro ends, we immediately are joined in progress with Bret Hart versus C.V. Afi from the Boston Garden. Yeah. But it's for like eight seconds, and then <laughs> we go to Mean Gene from the control center, the sports control center. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and who's in the background, Quinn? Kevin Dunn. Oh, yeah. Kevin Dunn and Kerwin White. Yeah, right? they're in the background. Yeah, that was really fucking weird, right? They never turn around. Yeah, they never, they never, ever, like, it almost looks like Dunn's, like, trying not to. Like, did you notice that? doesn't want his teeth to be seen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that shit. Kevin Dunn is still employed, folks. He is still their director, and he still sucks. Yep. He's responsible for the shaky cam that we get now. Oh, the one, the zoom-in thing, (laughs) too? all that stuff. him. He, I I can't stand that guy. Gene had a huge bow tie for his standards. He also says, uh... He had a fifth on the fourth. Yeah, he had a fifth on... He's making... He's very jokey in this episode. He says, Meshugana? Yeah. (laughs) He makes no sense. No, but actually, it's, like, not that bad, but it's it's actually awesome. I had a fifth on the fourth. How about you guys? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, Gene? Yeah. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he is funny. You can tell that he... This seems to be a theme for the things we watch. Yeah. We seem to watch these shows where no one cares. Right. And you can tell Gene does not care. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, not to say that the matches are great or anything. Oh, no. But fucking Gene in the control center with Kevin and, and Kerwin over there. Yeah, he's hysterical. Yeah, they're, they're a pile of laughs. Speaking of a pile of something, he throws to our first match, which is Cousin Luke versus John. Not Johnny. He's introduced as John K-9. Well, okay, you shouldn't first even say all, not the Johnny, because yeah. this is Luke. a Cousin Luke, the the guy, the Hall of Famer Cousin Luke. Yeah, not Cousin Luke of, you know, Cousin Butch, Cousin Luke. <laughs> yeah, not that fucking shit. No, it's Cousin Luke. The hillbilly. freaking hillbillies. What the fuck with these guys? This guy looks like a piece of dog shit. <laughs> He's got overalls on but like the long kind and they're like all wet bell bottomy the bell bottomy he's wearing like converse (laughs) shoes instead of like wrestling boots quinn you noted this is actually the first time you saw cousin right right? i would always hear that my old cousin luke cousin luke i'd be like okay i guess that's just some stupid thing it's hillbilly jim's cousin yeah I'd always hear Hibbley Jim talk about it, but I never saw the damn guy. This is the first time I ever saw him wrestle, and boy, did he not impress. <laughs> He's still better, though, Quinn. You have to admit this. He's still better than Uncle Elmer. Okay, yeah, definitely. Uncle Elmer's really bad. He is better than Uncle Elmer. The re- I, I think you could actually repackage this guy, <laughs> to be could. honest with you, and he probably would seem a little better or than he did. Package him up and send him away somewhere. Yeah. The, pack- ref, the ref has a fro. Who is this ref, by the way? That... That was bizarre. I've never seen Fro Ref ever, but from now on, I will call him Fro Ref. Like <laughs> now, thank the Lord. And speaking of Gorilla, he is on commentary with Bobby. Yes, in '86. I did not see this coming. No, because Brain didn't do too much commentary now, until he stopped managing. Brain and Gorilla on, by this date seven whatever was was Brain and Gorilla doing prime, prime time? time. Yeah. Okay, so they were. there they was were. some history. Yeah, now, Quinn, you noted this. The ring is weird because the bottom turnbuckle is yellow. Yeah, um, the, only in this match, <laughs> in this weird fucking match, there's another thing with this, the bell. It's like a bellhop at a hotel, Yeah, right? it's like, like a, a, ding, it's like ding, a ding, 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 like you would come come here, bellhop. Service, like, service. Yeah, service, service. Yeah, young, I, young man, that young was, man. That was the bell. Yeah, It exactly. was very strange. Um, Where yeah, the hell is this, by the way? Everything just seems unaffected. It doesn't even seem like it's in Allentown. I don't think it is. I don't know where it is. Yeah, because later I think it's in Allentown because I see those doors. Yeah, later on we go to Allentown. Yeah. With Billy Joel. 
Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this? Like, really? What the fuck is I this? No. And then Quinn says to me, why is he, Cousin Luke, sweating from his ass? He looks like he's about to paint something. He does, right? <laughs> yes. Did you not think that his attire was highly inappropriate he for this like fucking shit. like wrestling match? Yes. With canine dog here or whatever his name is? I actually remember the name Johnny Canine. I don't know. From what? From <laughs> jobbing. I mean, he sounds like he should be on like a show. Like with uh, what's that canine show? What Rin Tin Tin canine Belushi? cop. What, what? No, Belushi. Belushi. What? Yeah, the other Turner Belushi. and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. Belushi. Yeah. Jim Belushi. The shitty Jim Belushi. One? Wasn't he in a movie Canine? He sucks. <laughs> and yes, you're right. He was. But Jim Belushi sucks. Yeah. I, I said. <laughs> yeah, I said this man, cousin Luke, looks like dog shit. He does. He looks horrible. Speaking now, of canine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Gorilla and Bobby are already a good commentary team. In- in 86. No, yeah. I, they, it's like they those two, they didn't need any... They should have just always been doing that. I know. It's amazing, right? It's, it's amazing they didn't make it a, a mainstay commentary team earlier than they did. Yeah, because what they're doing, folks, is they're... And this is why Gorilla's not the worst wrestling announcer, is because they're making a match between Cousin Luke and Johnny K-9 entertaining. I, I don't know how they did it. I mean, it wasn't the greatest match, but I can no. tolerate it because of the commentary. And I had said here, <laughs> what what is Johnny K-9 involved with the Moondog? with that name yeah. like i literally like i never i this is just a jobber to me you said you'd saw him before i, I have. to me it was just any old jobber but um i thought like maybe he was involved with the moon dogs because the canine thing I, I was like serious i wasn't even like trying to be funny I, I know you were yeah now i was saying i honestly hope that johnny canine wins <laughs> yeah i mean me too who who doesn't um who the hell is this rap? I don't know. I, 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 like, seriously. Like, well, I've what the never fuck? seen him. He I, looks like Screech and Nick Patrick. <laughs> I said here, is Johnny Canine from England? His haircut looks English. I don't know what you mean by that. I don't know either. I, maybe I maybe I was just thinking of that UK wrestling WWE thing, and yeah, he, maybe. he had like a short he had like short hair, so or dynamite kid hair. He did have dynamite kid hair, so maybe that's what was going on. I don't, I don't know. know. You know how my brain is. I just say shit sometimes. Regardless, this match is a crap fest, and Quinn, you noted that it's the worst big boot splash combo like ever seen. Okay. That the, ends the Irish match. whips him right. Luke and does. Yeah. Fucking fat ass cousin Luke can't get his damn leg up high enough <laughs> so he big boots him in like the upper chest almost in the boob gut. in the boob yeah almost. in the boob <laughs> and then he when he, he falls down canine and then he just jumps on him with no it's the worst no fanfare yeah. no no noise or anything just kind of jumps on him one two three you know yeah and that's cousin it. luke not the hall of famer <laughs> over cousin luke wins and that prompts bobby Heenan to say, don't any of these hicks have <laughs> yeah, last names? That was good. Brain is awesome. Brain's awesome. And <laughs> Quinn, you said even the ring that Luke wrestles in sucks. Yep. As we noted, it doesn't even have a bottom turnbuckle. <laughs> we cut to Gene back at the control room with a dictionary and his word of the day here. Word of the day, by the yeah. way. What? Well, I would imagine keep people posted on on the Funk and Wagnall. Gentlemen, I've got a word for especially the two of you. What is this show? This is Sesame Street. This is Pee Wee's Playhouse. Word of the day. Ah! The word of the day is barkeeper. Ah! 
<laughs> one who owns or manages a bar. Thank you, Gene. I didn't know that. <laughs> Never heard of it. Update. Thanks, Gene. Update with WBF Magazine. <laughs> this set is so shitty. Like, what happened here? Because usually the, 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 the set for this is not this crappy. Like, you know what made it the worst? It had the usual WWF, WWF, like all the, like, you know, like... The uh, layers of, the like, layer. the, <laughs> the logo. What, what yeah. was that place? It was like C-Town, Town, C-Town, Town, 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 that's it. Yeah, it was like C-Town, Town, 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 Right, right. But the problem is, is in big red fucking letters over the, the like, recessed logo is, like, update, update, two updates, two why? And you also said there were crappy LJN figures sitting yeah, on the of, desk. Yeah, uh, of uh, Sheik and Volkov. Right, because they're relevant here. Now, the the LJN figures, by the way, are the they shits. They suck. Like, they're the worst. They're just rubber. They're rubber you and they're way too anything. big. They're way too big. You can't do moves. Yeah, so fuck that. So we get a quick clip of Sheik and Volkov versus Ha-ha, the Bulldogs. See, that's why they have see? the figures. <laughs> Sheik and Volkov versus the Bulldogs from MSG. A lot of dogs on this show. Yeah, and there's tons of garbage in this ring, too. Yes, and then Gene has a cardboard cutout, speaking of Sesame Street, <laughs> cardboard cutout of a fire hydrant. He's like, this is a fire hydrant. Yeah, what was this analogy? He's like, this is going to be outside of a lot of arenas. I guess he's talking about how dogs pee on a fire hydrant. And then the, yes. fucking water sprays from offset into Gene's face. Yes. It's like, enough of that. Like, as they, they like, <laughs> he does. As they, as they like, phase out or whatever. And he also <laughs> says the British Bulldogs are very fond of fire hydrants. They're not dogs, Gene. They're people. So, is he saying that the British Bulldogs pee on fire hydrants like Matilda does? Would it surprise you? No. <laughs> so we cut to our next match. Jake the Snake Roberts versus uh, Super Mario Mancini. <laughs> That's here. right. Now, Man- Mancini Quinn, they noted this from Hoboken, New Jersey. Yeah, so right around the corner. His girl would say, right right down the road there. Yeah. Right down the street. <laughs> About 40 minutes away. Great, yeah. great Cuban place in Hoboken. <laughs> giving him a plug right here? Called The Cuban. I don't know if they're still open, but they're the ones, Quinn, that owned our 7-Eleven over here. Are they? Yes. Oh, it's the same place, The huh? 7-Eleven that, that got bought out by corporate and they ruined our 7-Eleven. That place is dog shit and now. any of our friends that know us that are listening right now they know exactly what we're talking yep. about 7-Eleven Jimmy was the best guy yeah Jimmy come back amazing. Jimmy yeah Jimmy if you're listening now we gotta drive 15 minutes to see Jimmy yeah it's, a, it's upsetting it's a bunch of but, shit <laughs> anyway anyway we're at the same arena the same afro ref yep yeah that, that's true the same afro ref now Quinn did you notice this Jake is clearly getting cheered. He's and, definitely okay. A heel. This isn't the first time this is going to happen in this review, by the way. But the heels yeah, getting cheered, right? Yeah, right. this is weird. Like, and we're only a couple months away from Jake turning face, so it's pretty obvious here. Like, we're um, getting there. Yeah, I said uh, Jake the Snake more like Jake the Face. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and then Gorilla throws to a little, a brief insert interview with Ricky the Drag Steamboat. Yeah, first, why is his hair all dump? And he looks like Shemp. Yeah, he does look like two. Shemp. He's got the worst haircut ever. I don't recall Steamboat having his hair that short. It was really bad. Yeah. Now I noticed this, Quinn. Jake has his Hasbro wrestling figure tights. Yeah, the, the green, green with the snake on with the purple yeah. snake. Yep, yep. So the crowd's chanting for the DDT. This is it's so over. Yeah. And guess what? DDT, one, two, three, it's over. One, two, three, over. Very quick. Damien cr- crawls around Mancini, of course, and the yeah. brain says, I wonder if Damien likes Italian food. Get it? <laughs> yeah, Gorilla hates it. Gorilla's all upset, remember? Now, I had not- I noted here, like, it's no, like... It's no coincidence to me that Jake the Snake's over. If you're a 12-year-old kid in that fucking crowd, yes. right? Jake is a dude 
that drops people on their head, knocks them the <laughs> fuck out, and then chokes them out with a snake. If you're like 10 or 12, that's the coolest shit ever. Right, yeah. And it, I mean, I don't know how they kept him healed this long, even. That's a very honestly. good point, Quinn. He's awesome. Very, very good point. We throw to an interview with Ken Resnick. If you don't remember who he is, that's okay. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> he was there in 86, yeah, he's, basically. He's not very good. <clears throat> and he interviews Haku, but at this time he's known as King Tonga still. Yeah, I, I note here, they should have never had him talk. I, I was yeah. I was thrown off by this segment. It offended me first, that, <laughs> that King Tonga was talking. First of all, Haku doesn't have a beard. No. He's still a face. Yeah. And he sucks at talking. And yep. I love the guy. I like him a all lot. All three of those things are true. <clears throat> and I like him a real lot. Yep. But he sucks at talking. He does. So apparently this interview is because he had body slammed John Studd, which who is cares? Weird. Yeah, I know. Like, who cares? Then we just cut to Bret Hart. <laughs> yes. Yes. Versus Offy. Yeah. Who's C.V. Offy, Quinn? You can sum this up. C.V. Offy is basically the replacement yep. to Jimmy Superfly Snooka, yep. and he sucks balls. <laughs> he is fucking horrible. He's got, like, the shitty no beard. His hair is like in a jerry curl. He's got shitty, like, knee pads on. I don't remember... Well, Snooka had knee pads later, but I don't think he did before. He just looks like crap. He just, he looks so, I think he's got like, you know how Superfly had the, um, the shorts that were the, um, leopard print, leopard print? his yeah. are like pink leopard print. <laughs> like, what is he, a lady snooka? Like, he fucking, I, just, I can't, I can't, I can't even, there's nothing else I could say. He's just like the worst thing ever. And these fans know it too. Yeah, they're booing him. Yeah, they're booing, they're booing fucking C.V. Offie's big face here against Brett the Hitman Hart, who's heel in black. Yes, Hitman all black looks sides. like a badass. It's awesome because it's Boston, and Boston is a good crowd. Yeah, and I don't blame the crowd. Like I said, I, I had said at the time, well, no, no wonder they're booing Offie. He's poop. He is. He's, he's just poop. a replacement for Snuka. Now, you know what's funny here is we have um, his Lord shit. Yeah, his Lord shit on commentary. <laughs> That's an affectionate nickname for our, for a good friend, Lord Alfred. Lord Alfred, don't take offense. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, his Lord shit. His That's Lord a, shit. Quinn and I say that when we're doing a Sean Mooney impression, yeah. like, "Well, your Lord shit." Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's where that comes from. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, Quinn, black tights for bread. It's before the days of the pink. Yeah. They weren't doing pink yet. Gorilla says the name of our show. Yeah, he says our vantage point. That's right. Uh, I he guess does. he knew we were watching. <laughs> he knew baby Quinn was watching. <laughs> Quinn, I have a great uh, line from you here I want to read. CV <laughs> off, he's a fucking jobber. He's really shitty, and I hate his knee pads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, there, I, I went on a rant earlier, but yes. I mean, I, I was ranting during this match. Yes, you were. I just. I just can't stand the guy. I don't really know why he was ever there, and it didn't work. I mean, no. I, he was gone after, like... 87, he was gone. Uh, did he even last, like, a year? Yeah, he did. He was there until 87, but still, I mean, <sighs> he sucked. This match is so great that the announcers veer into a discussion about Ed Strangler Lewis. Saying how he how he took people out with a headlock Side or headlock, chin lock yep. or something. Yep. So, Afi almost wins, and Quinn and I both freak out. I... I couldn't believe even Brett in this state where he's just a singles, but like not even anything. Yeah. Even that should not lose to CV. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, we don't know who would win this because really it could have gone either way. It did. It could have, it could have gone. And Lord Alfred doesn't care either way. Cause he's, he's talking about canoeing. Yeah, he just goes in this like tirade about canoeing <laughs> Brett with a nice kick to the balls. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Big Brett. Chant yeah. From now Boston. he's getting chanted. He's a heel. This yes. is very odd for 86. This is when the faces and the heels got, yeah. the proper yeah, reaction. Yeah, I know. This so. is very strange. Gorilla, you notice this, Quinn? He has a big problem with Brett's hair the whole I'm match. I'm telling you, like we were talking about Gorilla before, yeah. 
this is his shit where he's yeah. trying to act like he's disappointed, but he, you know, he likes him. Yeah, because he's always calling him the excellence of execution and all. He, this he shit. did say yeah. that in this matchup. Yeah. So Afi fucks up selling Brett's clothesline. What was that? It was horrible. Yeah, he just he didn't take it right. It's a fucking close. <laughs> how there's some moves that I just don't understand how you could like screw up and like one of them is a clothesline. <laughs> so as Afi's making his comeback, Quinn just says, "Look at this bullshit." Yep. That, 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 yeah, I'm just that. That's what I thought of everything. Yeah. It was all bullshit. <laughs> so Afi goes for his like I guess like super Afi splash off the top rope. Super Afi, get it? Yeah, super fly splash. Yeah, exactly. Brett catches him, reverses the momentum, gets the pin. Everyone's all happy. Even the announcers are happy. Gorilla makes sure. Did you notice that one to point out that Brett didn't grab the tights? I like that. Again, this is you know Gorilla likes him. He, he just, was all he proud can't, of Brett. Yeah, remember, he, he can't root for him because he's heel right now. He's like perfectly done or whatever he says and this is uh, the next thing here is my favorite part of this the moment with gene okerland yeah he's on the phone with luciano pavarotti <laughs> yes. the opera singer he's on the phone with pavarotti and gene says what do you think of this pal what do you think this is pal pbs yeah and then he's like your hometown oh parts unknown yeah it's it, like what is going on for what is this show yeah, it's so <laughs> weird and then gene starts talking about how at fourth of july he bbq'd gefilte fish <laughs> What what is this rush hour now? <laughs> so Gene throws to the body shop. Now folks, real quick, the body shop was Jesse Ventura's version of Piper's Pit. <laughs> yes. Except Jesse Ventura's <laughs> off filming what Predator or whatever the hell came out yeah, after this. I, I, whatever came out in 87, I think Probably it is Predator, Predator Demolition but Man or this, Running Man. This brings us my favorite line, a line where we had to pause this show because I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, Gene throws you can say the line. Okay. Gene throws to the body shop, guest hosted by Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji. And what does Gene say about Fuji? The guy's got a dipstick factory in Japan. Yeah, he's got a dipstick factory in Japan. All serious. Yeah, all deadpan. Non sequitur. I lost my fucking shit. That was so random. <laughs> he just continues on his sentence, like, after he yes. says that, too. Just, the guy's got a dipstick factory in Japan. His guest, Don, <laughs> Don, Don First of all, Fuji's not even there. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing. It was so weird. They, he's like, Mr. Fuji's with them. Not there at all. Not there at all. What, did he just not look at it? <laughs> yeah, probably. So Don Morocco hosts The Body Shop. His guests are Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy with Bobby Heenan. Why is Don Morocco hosting this? I don't know why Don Morocco's, but I could tell you, I got a question for you. Yes. Do you know uh, what Big John Studd's initials are? BJS. Or BJ's. The the um the bulk <laughs> department store, yeah, of course. Of course. We're a very highbrow show, folks. Yeah. And we would never ever sink to any kind of blue humor or anything like that. <laughs> this is a family friendly fucking show. The family friendly edition. Stud looks like he woke up five minutes ago, <laughs> as usual. He got his bathrobe on, looks like he walked out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> always stud somehow calls bundy the new champion and then he says like he's the people's world champion how does it feel to be the new people's world was he the rock bundamania running wild yeah, he says it's bundamania time he was talking about bundamania back at wrestlemania too he I was think. Yeah. he loves his bundamania so some good continuity there yeah why wouldn't it just be bundy mania why is it bunda why does i don't even remember this line but why does bundy say don johnson doesn't have a thing on you to morocco <laughs> yeah oh because of uh, fuji vice oh right Okay. Which we'll get I was, into I, another I, time. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Bobby makes fun of Lou Albano to end the segment. Nothing at all notable happened Doesn't he just this. call, like, Lou Albano fat or something? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. Like, what is he? Why does everyone hate Lou Albano so much? Single-handedly. Well, a, I don't know. Yeah. I know. Rock and wrestling. Yeah. Gene then, we go back to Gene in the control studio, and he's showing us pictures from his trip to Well, okay, Japan. he shows, this is good, he shows pictures. I can't, I have to put my, I, you go. He, he, he shows pictures of clouds, <laughs> and he calls it Cloud Nine, and then he says, well, you could throw that out. <laughs> and then he shows pictures of a Japanese subway. The outside and the, I'm not even near my mic, the outside and the inside. Yeah. The outside and the inside, and he, I, I don't know why. It's so weird. And then we cut to our next match. Max Blue with a red coat on versus Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, back in Allentown. Max Blue? Max Blue. We get, this is from Allentown. Yeah, big yeah. man and, and blah, 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 good condition events. It's a vulgar cutout for basketball. <laughs> Every opportunity we make, I, I mean, we get, I feel like we make fun of Bruno. He's got too many crackers in his mouth. Love our right now. <laughs> anyway, so. Now, now, I, now I say, now which one's the arm, with the, with, when the arm gets small, what, which arm is I that? I think the now, now if you know Mr. Wonderful's history, he's, I, I'm sorry. It, I know it's not funny, but basically in the, in the, in the early 90s, Mr. Wonderful had some condition with his, his arm where it became like a little baby arm. And anytime I saw this, I saw it at a young age, and it always stuck with me. So anytime I see Mr. Wonderful, no matter when it is, I'm always like looking for the arm that turned into the baby arm, or if it's the baby baby arm like there i'm like which one is it again like i can't tell it's like texas tornado except with arms <laughs> orndorf is still a face so he's like brutus beefcake <laughs> yeah he is very beefcakey now max blue quinn i, I just said, said this is one of the worst names i've heard yet max blue b-l-u-e yes He's and he's he did have baby blue like underpants tights. He did have the underpants, but tights. he still had red knee pads. What's with the red with this he guy? He doesn't get it. He should have been Max Red. Yeah, he liked red better. Vince sounds, which is rare because he usually didn't in the eighties. Yeah. Vince sounds like that nineties shilly Vince. Yeah, he's very shilly and nineties-y, which is very strange. And just pile driver and dead the match dead. is like literally three yeah. seconds long. This match blue. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Get okay, it? yeah, I got it. Thank you. Paul Orndorff, then Howard Finkel announces him as the winner, and then Orndorff's like, the old Mr. Wonderful, because this is right before Orndorff's turn, Quinn. Right. So he's like foreshadowing that he doesn't like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. By the way, folks. Which led to a good match, by the way. It's a very, at the big event? Yeah. No, and, uh, uh, well, that's the, the good. cage match at Saturday Night's and Main the Event. Cage yeah, match. I but like the big that. event, is, that has a good match, yeah. too. That's the best thing Mr. Wonderful was ever in, if you ask me. Yeah. Other than wonderful, you know it's Mr. Wonderful. But he had baby arm during that. But baby arm, yeah. Now, folks, you might have noticed, sometimes we say Hawk Hogan. Yeah. Can you explain what that is, Quinn? Well, there's a pronunciation, like, elsewhere. In the Midwest, usually. Yeah, in the Midwest, they call him Hawk Hogan instead of Hulk. It's just how they say Hulk. It's just how they say it, so. so in case you're wondering why sometimes we say that, we know it's Hulk Hogan. Right. We we didn't grow up with Hawk Hogan. We, it's just fu- a funny thing that we discovered other yes. people saying it that way, and we thought it was funny. And sometimes you might notice us say Hagen. That's just That's because we say that. stupid, yeah. Yeah, Hagen. Yeah. A- anyway... Uh, Ken Resnick now with Quinn's favorite. Yeah, you know how I always ask, when's the Macho Man going to be on this show? Well, 
here he is, the yeah. macho man Randy Savage himself, no, minus Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, no Elizabeth. No Elizabeth. And Resnick stirs some shit up about that. And Savage says, you're an overconfident TV announcer. Yeah, that's his big response. You know, you're an overconfident type TV announcer. Savage only defends the title once every 30 days, and Resnick has a big fucking issue yeah. with this. But Savage is okay with it. First of all, <laughs> I like that he Savage corrects him and says, I wrestle every night. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, because Resnick's like, you only wrestle once every 30 days, and he's like, you mean defend? the title yeah he has to correct him <laughs> yeah it's awesome that's how good macho man is so resnick runs through a bunch of contenders one of which is pedro <laughs> morales what the fuck <laughs> pedro morales is horrible at this point he shouldn't even be in the company at this point his tights go up to his his boobs he is not even close to the Macho Man's level. He's not even close to some of the people that get listed here. I know. Like um, like Rick Steamboat Rick and a Steamboat, bunch of other yeah, people. Yeah. Right? Now, Savage here, he's already been in the company for like a year. He's still going on yep. about how Hogan sucks. Right, and that, you know, he's coming for you, Hulk Hogan. In fact, a direct quote he says is, I'm more important yep. than Hulk Hogan. He says Hulk Hogan can't tie his shoes either. <laughs> so then we cut away to the address for the All-American P.O. Box. Okay, why is this always a thing? on these shows back then like what are you gonna write to them like this show was good like what they don't give a shit like what they're not gonna read it is this so like if something like offensive happens you can tell them about it and they can fix it it's in the can like months before there's nothing this, there's nothing that writing into this show will do. No, there's not. Yeah. So then we go back to Gene, and of course, it's more Japan picks. Some guy, like, he's, like, showing him where the restroom is, and it turns <laughs> yeah. out it's a shack. Yeah, yeah. And Gene, he also notes that the guy in Japan was American, asking him this question where yeah. the bathroom was. He just p- pretty much makes fun of Japan. And then he says, next week, this is my dream team, George Steele and Junkyard Dog team up. Thrilling. Make sure to watch that. And you know what? This show was great. This was great. This was fantastic. It actually was. Uh, we we've been crapping on the show the whole time. Yes. But it's it's more in like a fun way. Yeah. This show was just so fun. One of the most fun things we've reviewed. Yep. Um really like I I wanted to watch another one. Yeah, afterwards. this was fun. I I didn't know how good All-American was. I really thought that it was like Z-tier, like just junk. But Gene really makes it. Gene carried this. Some of these lines, we probably didn't even catch all of them for this review. Because he was just on fire. He was very funny. And it's a nice little glimpse into that in-between period after WrestleMania, before the big event, before, you know, the next WrestleMania. Right. I think it's interesting about this show that you can see... That people are, you know, rooting for people who are heels that yeah, would that eventually turn face very soon after this. I agree with you. That was very strange. Uh, well, it it highlights how you said it's an in-between period. It's an in-between period. It's their, they have all this influx of talent, mm-hmm. and they're figuring out where they really belong in the face-heel spectrum. I totally agree, Quinn, and I agree with you. It was a great show. It yeah. was fun. Great show. Great to see some of these wrestlers in yep. here that, you know, you don't really Good to see, see a lot of these guys wrestle on the mainline shows once they get bigger. Yeah, that's true. So it was nice to see Jake 
it was nice to see Brett just as just you know mm-hmm. beating up jobbers doing their thing. Paul Orndorff, nice Paul to get Orndorf, a glimpse yeah, at him. Got, Savage interview. Yeah, Gorilla and Bobby on commentary. These are all the Good guys stuff. that you wanted to be on every episode yeah. of Superstars and weren't. Instead, you got yep. Legion of Doom and <laughs> who gives a shit? Your favorite. Yeah. Well, folks, that'll wrap up our episode. Quinn, it was great talking to you as always about the world of retro wrestling. Oh, and, it was fantastic. And we want to remind you, folks, tweet at us at OVP Podcast. You can let us know if there's anything you want us to review. We will find it. Yep, we yes, will we find will. It. If not, Richard Land will. Richard, <laughs> you'll have assignments if, the, if they write into <laughs> exactly. us. Exactly. We'll let you know. Of course, you can email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, there's a lot of places to subscribe, iTunes being one of them, and we want to review, right? Yeah, we definitely want to review on there, so just give us stars if you don't have the time to write, or write in a review if you feel you should. Yep, and of course, you can always catch us at SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player.fm, Blueberry, Blueberry, tune in, and tune in. The last time we're mentioning tune in. This is it. Tune in. (laughs) This is your last time. All right, folks, have a great rest of your day, great rest of your week. We will see you next Monday for more retro wrestling goodness. So long, folks. See ya. Hello. Hello. Luciano Pavarotti. Yes, sir. The world's premier tenor. Yes, this is Gene Okerlund from the World Wrestling Federation. Yes, trying to bring uh, fans here in the World Wrestling Federation a little closer to the arts, if you will. Yeah, great voice. Is that your real voice or are your pants too tight? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a bass myself, but I wear boxers. I understand, yeah. Luciano, uh, well, what do you think this is, pal? PBS? Huh? <laughs> Say, I understand the opera business is a little slow at this time of the year. At your weight, uh, you may want to contemplate uh, getting into professional wrestling. Yes. <laughs> you know Salvatore Belomo, Bruno San Martino, Paul Roma, Gorilla Monsoon? Oh, no, that is Italian, yes. Yeah. Your, your hometown, Luciano. Parts unknown. Never would have thought that. So keep it up. Say, you may want to go to an Ethiopian restaurant that I know. It worked for... It worked. Arrivederci. Forget it. Cases. Will you stop? Stop, stop, stop.